everybody. Welcome to Mentor Minutes. I'm Jared. I'm Jay. And this is a podcast episode on YouTube and streamed across various streaming services, if you're listening there, uh, associated with the YouTube channel Meeple Mentor, where if you haven't seen it, we do uh, tutorial videos for medium to heavyweight complex games. We've done lore videos, uh, unboxings. Mm -hmm. What else? Interviews. Sure, interviews. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't, uh, head on over to the YouTube channel and check that out. And we do appreciate all the uh, likes, comments, and subscribes that we get. Uh, it helps us um, do what we do. Um, so for this episode, we're on episode seven. Yep. Can you believe it? It's been... I know. It feels like it's like... I feel like three. we just started. <laughs> I feel the same way, but this has been a lot of fun. It's been cool. Yes. So um, this time we're going to continue on with the <clears throat> top 10 games series. So this yes. is what, top 10 over 20? This is top 10 over 20. And um, this covers the uh, range of uh, 1990 uh, to 99? 91. 91. To 2000. That's it. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly what I said. Just what you said. 91 <laughs> to 2000. Yes. So games in the mm -hmm. 90s that came out in the 90s. Yes. And um, interestingly, I thought I was going to have a lot more games um, and it was going to be harder to come up with this list. But um, most of the games that really that I thought were going to be in this list were actually uh, newer, mm. more recent, and, like and I would have yeah I would have sworn that they were in the nineties. But uh, but mm -hmm. still, I think I think uh, a great year or a great decade right. for games, and uh, a lot of my favorites are actually on this list too. So so I I'll also say that <clears throat> I thought this was going to be a little easier, but I'm going to include a lot on this list as you'll see that are more nostalgic for me because mm -hmm. even though there's a lot of great games that came out in the nineties, I haven't played them all, and so if I haven't played it, yeah. I can't include it on my list. So yeah. this is just a personal opinionated list. So in the comments, I know you're going to say, why isn't this on the list? I can answer it now. That's why I haven't played it. Yeah. Same with me. There was definitely some standouts that I saw um, that had I played, they might've made this list, but I haven't had the opportunity yeah, to play it. And, and I've seen so many from this decade that it's like, oh, I've been recommended this. I've been, yeah. you know, I've heard of this and I've heard that's great, but I have nothing to, yeah. to add to yeah. say or anything. So this same. is a very personal list. Um, but I, I think it's uh, I think it's a good list. I'm I'm excited to to talk yeah. about these. Yeah, I, th I mean, some great games came out over those ten years, and um, some of the ones I'm definitely still playing today. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. So uh, I think we should go ahead and get right into it. Let's do it with number ten. Number ten. So for my number ten, it's a uh, a party game classic that most of you have probably played or played with your family, uh, especially around Christmas time, since that's where we're, we are right now. It's from 1999, Apples to Apples. Yes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's it's that party card game where you've got your green cards and your red cards, and uh, the, pro the player draws a green card, and basically everyone has to play one of their seven red cards that they think will... Uh, be chosen by the judge and doesn't necessarily have to mean that their card matches what the green card is exactly, but mm -hmm. rather what they think that person's going to pick, mm -hmm. whether it be because it's funny or accurate or what. And that's, I think what's great about this game is it's a really a, a good game to get to know people. And the more, you know, someone, the better you're probably going to do at winning this game. Yeah. And it's, it's also one of those just fun games where there's a lot of like humorous moments mm -hmm. um, and, and everybody's played this game. So yeah. It's yeah. an easy one to pull out. And but. this came out in the nineties. So yep. it's on my list. <clears throat> yep. Good pick. Um, 
it's actually inspired a lot of games too that I like. Like Say Anything is a game that's yeah. very similar to that. Sure, that there's like a lot, lot of those types of like, uh, give me your answer to this type yes. of games. I don't know what you would call that, but a- Apples to Apples is a good one that yeah. sort of um, pioneered a lot of that. Good pick. That, that was a slightly lower than my 10, but um, yeah. I think maybe just because I played it so much too. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so my number 10 is um, actually a Spiel des Jahres winner, um, and it's called Mississippi Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out in 1997. Um, this is an interesting, it's a, I like racing games and this is a race game, um, where you're, uh, you have a steamship, you know, on the Mississippi and you're, you're trying to win the race, but you're also trying to pick up like at least a couple like Southern bells, <laughs> which are these little characters at certain like, uh, ports, yeah. uh, in order to win the game, you have to have had picked up at least two of them, you know, and then win the race. Sure. But the neat thing about the game, uh, is you can adjust, uh, the speed or, and the turning, um, so it's, uh, each grid is sort of a uh, modular, but they're all, you know, hexagon type shapes. Mm. So you can turn your ship and then you can go a certain speed, but in order to pick up, uh, you know, the passengers, you have to be going at a speed, uh, that it says on the board. Okay. So if you're going too fast or too, you know, you can't pick them up actually. You like run them over. Yeah. You know, the, the ship will go by and they'll fall in the water. Or something. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but it's a, the reason I like it's, um, as a cool racing game is you never really know what the track's going to look like. Because each of the pieces is modular. So as one ship gets to the edge of the board, you roll a dice and that's going to determine mm. where the next tile fits in. Almost like uh, that the game El Dorado. Yeah. Only you don't know what the setup is right. from the beginning. So it could be like that a you're... a winding river that you don't yeah, necessarily Yeah, you could be like see. way on the right side and then the river actually ends up going to the left. And then you've got a really course correct and stuff. And so so it's, it's being a race, that's a, a it, very yes. um, important <clears throat> thing to be like... It's kind of stay towards the center. Yeah, some, sometimes it's better to be second because then you're going to see which way the river's turning, bef- you know, when the next person gets there. So hmm. uh, Mississippi Queen, uh, my number 10. Good pick. Number nine. Okay, my number nine is um, a two-player card game. Uh, it was originally called Battle Line, um, but they came out with a version called Shot and Totten. Um, and, um, this is by Reiner Knizia and, um, the way the game's played, this came out in 1999 is, um, you both have warring clans, like Scottish clans and your cards are in different suits based on the clan types and different numbers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you're both playing where you have like a row of these tiles that represent stones in the middle of the board. Um, I think there's seven of them and you're playing the best, uh, hand of three cards near the stones on your side to try to uh, push that st- or pu- push that stone forward. Um, and if you get, I think it's if you get three stones or five stones uh, forward, um, then you can, you win the game essentially. So you're, you're doing like runs and sets and things like that. Um, and then the person opposite you can play uh, in that same, uh, behind that same stone you're playing and whoever's hand is, you know, the strongest that's the way the stone's gonna gonna move and, mm-hmm. and you know you win those things. Um, so it's a really uh, you know kind of um, lost cities like feel type of card game uh, where you're never really sure what your opponent's going to do. Um, it's always tense. you have a specific hand of like six cards so there's choices you're going to be making and commitments you have to make early on in the game that can really you know ruin your plans later on. Um, but a cool game um, yellow produces this now and has really cool artwork as well. So uh, that's my number nine, Chotten Totten. Cool. I'll have to try that. I've never even played that. Yeah, it's really, really good. Really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, So my number nine is 
another party game and, and the last party game that I'll talk about on any of these lists, uh, I can guarantee. Um, from 1994, uh, a game called Catchphrase, okay. uh, which is uh, very easy to transport. It's a great game that um, it's got a built-in timer. It's a little um, electronic device, mm -hmm. and you can either select a category or just go through all the categories, and it'll give you a random, uh, like, thing or person or place or whatever um you've got teams it's usually uh two teams so you split up half and half and then you alternate uh in a circle uh so one team and then the next person's the other mm -hmm. team and back and forth <clears throat> so as you're playing uh the timer's going and when it gets to you you have to try to get your teammates around the circle to guess what it is yep. and you can't say <clears throat> what it is and there's certain other like maybe rules that you can't say certain things or it starts with a t or whatever um but essentially if they guess it then you quickly pass it to the opponent next to you and then they have to hit the button and it gives them a new word and if they can you know do it then they can pass it. it's like hot potato with like guessing right. words right. you know right. uh so it's called catchphrase um i feel like everybody played this in the 90s yes um, <clears throat> definitely <laughs> every house that i went to when they were like um hey what board games do you have they'd be like oh well, we have catchphrases and i'm like okay yeah yeah like everybody had it so mm -hmm. um if you haven't played it, it might be because you're younger um but i think if you're if, if you've lived through the 90s um then you're you've likely already played yeah, this definitely. but it's it's a great game so I put it on my list from uh, 1994. Yeah, good pick, good pick. I I'd always like that game too, and it's yeah. uh, it's one of those really fun, you know, laugh out loud party games too, especially if you're passing and like it. The timer ends, and or if you pass and accidentally <clears throat> hit the time button, that right, and they're <laughs> like, true. no, I, I, it's like you meant to do that. Yeah. <laughs> good, that's very good, very good pick. Thanks. Number eight. So my number eight pick uh, is from 1993, and a lot of you may have missed this, but if you get a chance to play it, it's a lot of fun. It's a family game. It's like a game that you might play uh, as a kid or with kids. It's called 13 Dead End Drive. And there's also, I think they reprinted it as 1313 yes, Dead End Drive. That's the version I've played. Okay. Yep. But the original, which I still have, is 13 Dead End Drive. And it's basically a murder mystery party where someone has died and you're trying to figure out like who killed them. And you're also murdering other people yes. <laughs> in the dinner party. Yeah. There's like an inheritance or something. Yeah, they're all trying down. to get the money. Um, it's kind of like <laughs> Knives Out, maybe. Yeah, that's a, that's a right? really good analogy. Yeah, right. it's, it's very much like that movie. Yeah. Modern movie, but very mm. old game. So uh, you all start at the center, like at the dinner table, and then everyone just like breaks off and moves around and does whatever they want. And you can set traps uh, and you can like kill people and you're trying to knock people out and then um, remove... Uh, the the frame card so that your frame is the one showing if so i remember you get the money so that right. you get the money yes. and then if you yeah. if you're the last one standing or the one mm -hmm. that like ends the game whenever the timer or whatever the, the whatever the mechanism was uh and your picture's on the frame then you win the game um it, a lot of it has it's kind of gimmicky because of all the different traps yeah. and yeah. there is some setup involved with all the cardboard mouse and, almost mousetrap like yeah it setup. definitely takes a cue from yes. mousetrap yep um, but it's not as, I guess when you played mousetrap, I feel like most of the time the game was pretty dull and yes, all yeah. you wanted to do was just do the traps, but this right. actually has a good game to yeah, it. I agree. And the traps always worked. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I feel like those are, uh, just makes it a much better game in general than mousetrap. Now, of course, if you're looking for a game that's for a young, young player, maybe the murder theme isn't quite sure. <laughs> appropriate, mm -hmm. but it's done very light and a very family yeah. friendly kind of cartoony. Yeah. yeah. It's even lighter than I 
I'd say Clue is, if, if you want to talk about so. that. I think so. Um, so if you get a chance to play it, it's a lot of fun. <clears throat> and, you know, it's like 30, 40 minute game. Yeah, I, I this would have made my list, but I, I had only played the 1313 version. Yeah. And uh, it was one of the games that got me into the hobby, too. Oh, really? And my family really liked it. So I, I still love that game. Excellent. Well, check it out. Cool. Good pick. What's your number eight? Okay, my number eight. Um, I've actually mentioned this on um, a list of um, underrated games. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, I, I couldn't not mention this one because I do like it so much. Um, and this is another Spiel des Jahres winner. Uh, this is Manhattan from Ooh, 1994. Nice. Um, and this is a family weight area control game. Um, with really pretty uh, pieces that you're like um, city pieces that you're putting on the board. So you're building these buildings and you're getting points for whoever has the highest building and whoever has the most bu building of their collar in like a certain district in New York and a few other you know ways to score points. Um, but it's it's a it's a fun game. You you all get to start by you know building things and then you're trying to get majorities and areas and you know, um, compete for certain districts around the board. I think there's like six of them or so. Um, and it's, uh, it's fun because, uh, you're only using cards and you're playing based on where the sort of grid on the card is telling you to play. Uh, and so depending on what cards you kind of draw randomly, that'll sort of limit your options for where you can build. So you can't, just always attack one player, which is cool because of the way the cards are distributed. Um, so, uh, and this is a game that you can teach in like five minutes. Um, and the newer newer copies actually have translucent pieces, so you can get a, a version of this imprint today mm. that just looks gorgeous on the table. So, nice. that's my uh, number eight pick, Manhattan. Sweet. I love the crossover <clears throat> of the the underrated stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's my only one though. Okay, if you haven't uh, checked that out, we do have a top 10 underrated games, which I think is our episode two of That's the right. podcast. Yes. So you might want to rewind and check that out. Definitely. Number seven. Okay, my number seven is uh, by one of my favorite designers, um, Reiner Knizia. And uh, he was the same guy that developed Shot and Totten. There you go. Uh, and I think I think the '90s were like one of the decades where he just had a bunch of games mm -hmm. that were a lot of hits. really really good. And Made so his name in the '90s, he definitely did. And um, this one is called Medici. Um, and Medici is a fun auction set collection type game where um, the points that you earn, you're actually bidding those points. Um, in order to take like the first pick at specific cards that come out. Um, it's it's supposedly has a theme <laughs> where you're, you know, you're bidding for goods, you're taking goods and putting them in your ship, but the theme is really pretty irrelevant. Mm -hmm. um, what you're doing is you're bidding with your victory points to try to get the sets that you want of cards. And then whoever collects the most cards in a specific set kind of moves up on these tracks. And as you move higher in the tracks, you get more points. And whoever at the end of the game has the most points, as most games, wins. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the the cool thing about this is it's um, I do like auction games. I like the fact that um, you 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 can compete and not only to collect goods, but also to have like the highest value of the goods in the ships. Mm -hmm. And both of those get you points. But that tension of how many of my victory points am I willing to spend? to get what I want and hopefully be able to then earn more points than what I just spent right. is just this sort of great, like, like pull and push kind of mechanism. Kind of a push your luck almost. It's, it's, it can be push your luck, especially if you're one of the people at the auction who keeps passing on things, mm -hmm. because it could be that you end up getting uh, a lot of great cards for like a uh, less victory points. Right. Um, 
but it also could mean that the auction ends prematurely and then you get stuck with, you know, like subpar cards or whatever. Sure. Um, but still a classic, still in print, Medici. Uh, that's my number seven. Sweet. Good pick. So my number seven uh, is a card game uh, that came out in 1998 uh, by the name of Guillotine, uh, which is a really fun uh, and hilarious uh, theme of the French Revolution, where uh, all there's three days of lining up the nobles and noblemen uh, to the guillotine to have their heads chopped off. Yeah. And <laughs> so heads will roll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in the game, you're, um, you're playing cards on your turn, uh, maybe one or two you're allowed to play to alter the line. And you are essentially trying to alter the line so that you always take the most valuable noble head um, at the front of the guillotine line and then leave mm -hmm. the less valuable ones for your opponents. Um, there's a set collection element, there's different card color types, um, as well as certain cards that say like, you know, maybe the, I think the palace guard is worth uh, one point for every other palace guard you have. Mm -hmm. So you get one, they're worth one, you get two, each one's worth two. Um, so there's set collection, but there's also um, like pairs. I think if you get like the king and queen or whatnot, they okay. get a bonus. Um, so you're, you're always thinking of like, which one do I want to get and which one can I leave, you know, for my opponent to get, assuming they don't play a card that mixes up the line a little bit. Um, it's a fast paced game. I mean, it's not, it doesn't play very long, but it's, it's always fun. It's, uh, it's hilarious because of the, the nature of the game. <laughs> And uh, you can play it with pretty much all ages if you're okay with the theme. But once again, I I'm sorry with this murderous yeah, themes. Yeah, but this, is, this is a pattern here. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, no, it's it is it's okay. Like it's um, I've played it with my seven year old, and she thinks it's funny. You know, it's yeah. not it's not anything I'm too concerned about. Um, but uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's a little card game you can just take with you. So if you get the chance to play it, or or uh, you know, put it in your your car for mm. for a travel type of game to bring you know over the holidays. Check out Guillotine. Yeah, this is one I, I definitely need to play. I've mm -hmm. never played it, but uh, it's I've always been told it's fun. So you have to teach this one to me. Absolutely. Cool. Number six. So moving on to number six on the list from 1993. <laughs> this is a, um, <laughs> it's a murder mystery type of game. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm, so sorry. Sur I'm so that's, surprised. That's my theme this, this time. Um, I have a lot of good memories of playing this with uh, my family uh, and like other friend, like family friends that came over. It's called Crack the Case from 93. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially um, uh, a box with all these uh, different cards of uh, a scenario of this is what you're, you, you give to everybody. And then that team has to then ask questions to try to uncover the mystery. And you can, I think, get up to like three clues, but it go your, your points that you get for solving it go down every time okay. you get a clue. Yeah. Um, but you ask <laughs> essentially it's like 20 questions kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, d was it this or, you know, did involve this or, um, that sort of stuff. Um, some of those classic riddles that you might've heard of like, Oh, there's a guy, like standing uh, you know on ice and it melted and and that's how he got hung or whatever uh, um but it's that but like extrapolated <clears throat> more deeply and there's like tons of these you know murder mystery cards that you can play through um 
so if you like my my sister, this was like her favorite game, and she would just sit there and read them. And so whenever we play, oh. like she knew all of them already. <laughs> so funny. it wasn't really fair. So but, she gamed the system. Well, I mean, she was younger, so she just That's did funny. it. I mean, but yeah, she definitely gamed the system. <laughs> um, but if you haven't played it, then I think you should definitely check it out if you like that sort of uh, murder mystery where it's just trying to puzzle things out with with your friends and you know just ask questions and try to come to the answer and it's it's just a lot of fun sounds yeah it sounds really cool i've never i've never played this yeah it sounds crack a lot the of case fun. i mean it's i think it's hmm. very underrated um hmm. because i mean it's 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 well done but i felt like a lot of people hadn't played it before yeah i think my kids um, would like this too yeah so. but but we had it growing up and we played it all the time and to, to the point where i've seen all of the cards now of course yeah, so yeah but uh yeah that's it's a good one check it out neat i like it so jay what's your number six so my number six is although when i say the name you'll think it's a murder themed game <laughs> uh oh but it's actually not and in fact it's so different than the other versions of this game that it's it's almost unrecognizable and that game is clue the Great Museum Caper. And this game came out in 1997. And the reason it's different is because you're not um, trying to find out, uh, you know, who the murderer was, the murder weapon, or like what room. Okay. Um, what this is, is it's really a museum heist game. Um, and it also mm -hmm. has hidden movement. So it's a one versus many game where um, the board is, is this, like it's a 3D board, which is really cool. It's yeah. a museum. Uh, there's different rooms in the museum that have different colored, um, you know, floors. And then there are these uh, these artwork pictures that are all standees that are, you know, in, spread around in the different rooms. Yep. And as the, uh, the thief, um, your goal is to try to steal so many paintings and escape the museum before you get caught by the other players. Mm -hmm. um, so as the thief, your, your piece is not on the museum board, but you're going to be moving um, on um, the same grid behind a paper. screen. Yeah. And then the other uh, players have the ability to, to roll a die and activate like cameras. Um, there's this line of sight mechanism there. If they can see you, uh, you have to tell them like where you are and nice. all, all these sort of um, neat, kind of Scotland Yard like, you know, mechanics um, to try to uh, to pit yourself against the other players. Um, I, this is a game I've owned for a while. It's still a really fun game. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the best, uh, you know, early sort of hidden movement type games that, that came out. I'd rank this one up there with Scotland Yard. Wow. Um, for how good it is. That's awesome. Um, yeah. That's good so to that's, hear. Yeah. I love games like that. So this is one that, from the sounds of things, I need we to We should play it. The, the only thing with this game is... Um, obviously, you have to get it aftermarket now because it's not still in print. And it's one of those like old school, like huge boxes that takes up like an, a, a, a totally unreasonable <laughs> amount of space. Yeah. So you can't fit it on a game shelf. But it's like, let uh, me head to the attic and pull this thing out. Yeah, it's 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 crazy like that. But still a great game. That's uh, Clue the Great Museum Caper. Great pick. Number five. Okay. Um, that we're going to keep with the theme here of Reiner Knizia games. Oh boy. So, so far we've had murder mystery, murder stuff. Yep. Uh, murder, murder. German mathematicians. <laughs> those are the themes, murders and German mathematicians. There you go. <laughs> um, but this one not is planned. not, not planned at all. No. And we've not had any crossovers either. Which no, is that's pretty good. Um, so far. So this is a, it's another auction style game, which, you know, Reiner Knizia is really known for auction games, um, but it's a card game and it's called high society. Ooh. Um, and this plays up to five players. Um, what's so cool about this game is um, it has a theme that actually really comes out. And most of his games are very abstract. Like mm. this is one where you're all you're all playing like nobility, 
and you have a hand of uh, cards that are all your different denominations. So everybody has the same amount of money starting out. But the, the individual denominations don't just go like from one to 10, they skip over numbers. So you might have like a one, a two, a four, a seven. Hmm. So, you know, however he mathed it out, it works great in the game. And the goal of the game is you're bidding on like these different, um, uh, basically, you know, objects like, you know, paintings and things like that. And there's 10 cards in the game that are numbered one to 10. Um, and obviously 10 is like the most valuable. So you're bidding to see who gets the most, you know, possessions at the end of the game. Because it's, again, you're members of high society. But the cool thing about the end of the game is uh, even if you have the most possessions based on what you've bid, if you have the least amount of money left over, you lose automatically. So it becomes a game where it makes the tension of those auctions... Um, really spectacular because you're always agonizing over am i spending too much for this thing mm. to where i'm at the end of the game i might have the most stuff but i i have the least amount of money and i'm, I'm completely eliminated yeah um so cool game it has some twists with double points multipliers and things like that nice. uh but still one that is in print and you can get to get today with great artwork um and that is high society very cool. Very cool. All right. So my number five pick on this list from 1996. Uh, this is a game that also made it to my top 10 underrated games. Okay. And that came out in the 90s. And it's another card game called Lunch Money, uh, where yeah. it's basically a big deck of cards with a bunch of uh, uppercuts, punches, dodges, blocks, and all sorts of roundhouse kicks. And everyone gets five cards and you're, you can target anybody you want. You just start playing a card and they have to either block it or dodge or you know you can counter attack you can grab there's all sorts of combos mm -hmm. in this game it's a lot of fun uh it may be out of print but uh, i think they came up with beer money afterwards which has a very similar type of gameplay um there's also an expansion it's like a little mini card deck expansion called sticks and stones um the only downside to this game um, is that there's no text on the card to tell you what yeah. the cards do. Yeah. So it really takes <clears throat> one or two plays uh, for everybody to get comfortable with uh, what all the cards are and what they do and how you can use them effectively. But once you've got it, uh, it becomes a very fast paced, very fun mm. um brutal game because yeah. <laughs> I mean you're in your imagination, like you're 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 beating everybody up pretty senselessly and it encourages you to at times um be descriptive in how you're attacking yes, these people yeah, funny. um so if that sounds up your alley uh, and you're looking for like kind of that uh uh dueling sort of thing mm -hmm. where there's like combos and, and and kickbacks and stuff like that's a good one to play yeah and we, and when we made that original list of underrated games yeah. i had not played it yep but then you taught it to me and it was it was fun it was a fun experience and um, I enjoyed it, so I'd definitely play it again. Absolutely. So check it out, Lunch Money. Number four. Okay, so for number four, all these top four are going to be games that are going to be more widely uh, known, more <clears throat> widely appreciated in respect to the games that they are for this decade. That came out in 1993, uh, a card game called Magic the Gathering, yeah. uh, which you have to put it on this list. I mean, not only is it a great game, and it's had so many... Um, 
not not only expansions but like seasons that come out yeah, and like yeah. all these different you know productions um and they they you know they've got the the tier two decks and the friday night magic and i mean this is this is the bread and butter of, of your local game store still even today, today. Yeah. and i mean it's 2020 Definitely. all right mm -hmm. so 1993 this game comes out and rocked the world and never stopped like yeah. it's still going strong. So um, I played this for several years uh, through with some friends in college, and we did you know like um, like four or five you know people, and you can kind of just target whoever you wanted. But it's usually played one on one. Um, but we'd play it over you know the long nights, and um, you, you know part of this game is building your deck and like buying the cards, and and you can have up to four copies of a single card in the deck mm -hmm. of you know one copy. Uh, other than lands, which are your, you know, product, uh, they provide mana, which is how you play cards. So um, if you haven't played it, but you like card games and, you know, especially ones that you're building engines and, and customizing your deck, um, highly competitive and has its own scene within the gaming community, Magic the Gathering is amazing. Mm -hmm. And for me, it had to be on this list. Um, I, I think um, the fact that this is not going to be a crossover but only in the fact that I've not played it. Ah, um, and, shame. <laughs> and, the re and the reason I didn't play it is because I got into games later in life, so it was one of those things that, you know, if I had known about it, I probably would have played yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, undeniable. Um, I think it's a great pick. Huge influence on, on card games in general and yeah. board games in general. Yes, yeah. Uh, my number four, um, keeping with the theme... <laughs> Uh -oh. <laughs> is another Reiner Knizia game. <laughs> Who knew? Shocker. <laughs> um, and this is a game called Through the Desert. This came out in 1998. Um, nice. Again, still in print. Um, this is a really cool game because you have um, these caravans of camels. And as you're putting the camels out, you're trying to sort of section off parts of the board, um, capture like oasises, which give you points. And also try to cut off other players who are also placing their camels in these lines um, mm. from from capturing their pieces of the board. Um, so it's very you know points based, but it's 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 kind of area control in a way as well. Um, but it's uh, just with the the deserts, the cute theme. This is a super easy game to teach anybody. Another one that you can play with the family. And um, I think the theming alone. I mean, I, I still play this one probably a couple times a year. So um, through the desert is my number four. Right, good pick. That's another one that I I've been told to play, but I haven't played it, so I can't put it on my list. Yeah, yeah, and it plays good with yeah. two or more. Number three. Okay, I don't want to disappoint anybody with my number three pick. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with another Reiner Kinesi game. <laughs> 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 this is my my I think my wife's favorite game. You know uh, this isn't a top ten Kinesia game. It's not, but I could totally do that. Um, it's 1999, and it's a game two player game called Lost Cities. Uh, this is a game I think a lot of people have played. You've already like, brought it up on this video. I've brought it up on this video. That was a little bit of foreshadowing. Wow. Um, it actually plays some, somewhat close to Shot and Totten too. Mm -hmm. um, but the um, what you're doing is again you're you're on both sides of sort of this this deck of cards, um, and you're trying to get majorities in uh, different card colors. Uh, but you have to do it uh, so that you start with whatever card you start with. You the next card you play in your set of say blue has to be a higher numbered card than what you just played. Mm -hmm. um, so you can skip things. So you can play a one and then you can you know, play a three after that, but you always have to go up. Mm -hmm. And the trick to the game is obviously your opponent is, is playing for those same cards and there's only one of each card in the whole deck. So 
if you win blue, the other person can't win blue, basically. Um, and at the end of the game, you add all your points up from the cards, so whatever the numbers are on the cards, and then you automatically subtract 20 points from that. Hmm. So if you if your set of cards, like say you get you know a, a 1, a 5, and a 6, that's 12 points, I think, um, you're going to end up with negative 8 for Oops. that set because you need to at least get above 20 per set to even get any points in the game. Hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a, another one that's really tight. The game ends as soon as the draw pile is empty. So as you're, you know, you're either on your turn, you're basically just putting a card down and picking one up. That's all you're doing the whole game. Um, but as you have a hand of cards and it gets near the end of the game, the tension of trying to get rid of your hand before that discard pile is empty is just like a really, uh, it's like a delicious tension, I gotta say. Um, and this is a stressful game for me, um, but it's a lot of fun. And um, like I said, one, one of my, my wife's uh, favorite games that we play a lot, nice. uh, Lost City is my number three. You know, that sounds like to me is um, a more recent game called Arboretum, uh, where you also are building, <laughs> yeah. you know, sort of a, a connection of uh, increasing valued cards mm -hmm. and whoever has the most in their hand gets to score them. Um, and like you were saying, it's, you know, it's, it's all about like collecting them, but not having too much. Yeah. It, I, I agree with you because, um, the, the, it's a little less thinky than Arboretum because you're not worried about like patterns, mm -hmm. but it's very much the same too, where you can like, you can hold cards in your hand that deny the other person because right, right. you know, they're going to go for that card. Sure. Um, so there's, there's, there's that as well of you know, playing cards, but then not wanting to give up something that's going to help your opponent too. So, so. for those who've played Arboretum, should they check out Lost City? I think you'd like it. I, th I think it's a little simpler, but it has that same sort of feel when it comes to that two-player tension. So, nice. yes, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, parallel. Cool. So my number three uh, is from 1995. This is the game that brought Euros to America and popularized, you know, uh, that concept. And it's Settlers of Catan yeah. or Catan, and it changed its name later to Catan. So uh, when I played it, and my copy is an older one, so it still says the Settlers of Catan. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's originally for four players, but you can get a five to six player expansion to play with up to six people. Um, it was the game to play if you're, you know, in college, essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> it's 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 at the time it came out. No one had seen anything like it. I mean, there's no player elimination. There's very little randomness. Mm -hmm. um, the the wooden pieces were all very new. Like, no one had seen that kind of stuff mm -hmm. before. Uh, the random layout and nature of the board itself was yeah. also very yeah. unique at the time because normally you'd pull out, like, Sorry or Monopoly and just it never changes. Board. Yeah. But Catan had this, you know, ever-changing, always replayable game that is different every time you play it. Even the numbers that get placed out there were different. Mm -hmm. um, so it really revolutionized uh, game design in America, but also uh, invigorated gamers to appreciate different types of games. Yeah. Um, and so it really opened the door. And, and I say that and like every meaning possible for all other um, strategy games, um, particularly from Europe, but also um, more t more Euroy, but also strategy games to be developed yeah. in America. And now to this day, there is less of a distinction between what is a Euro and what is a Ameritrash and whatever. Um, but you wouldn't have those distinctions if it didn't all start with Catan. Yeah. So I put it as number three on my list um, because it is that influential and it's still a good game and it has 
endless uh, expansions and, yeah. and versions that you can get. Yes. Yeah, and still huge seller today. Yeah, absolutely. Huge it's 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 kind of like modern gamers monopoly in a way. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and this is not going to be a crossover either, and not because I haven't played it. Um, I think, you know, credit where credit is due. I think Catan and Magic are got to be the, the top, you know, on this list uh, regardless. Um, it's just not a game that I enjoy as much It's anymore. like when you didn't put Dungeons and Dragons on same your thing, list. Same thing, same thing. Although I had, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. Although I haven't had played that one as much. But, um, and I, I, I like Catan, but because it's led to so many games that I just love so much more, um, I just really don't play it much anymore. So um, that's the only reason it didn't make my list. Sure, but totally definitely, understand. definitely a great game. Number two. So number two on my list is from 2000. So shortly after Catan came another game from the same designer, Carcassonne. Uh, this game is, I think, leaps and bounds better than Catan and also sort of uh, an entry-level Euro game that brought Euros uh, to another point. And uh, it's almost like if you're if you're kind of bored or done with Catan, you're going to move into Carcassonne. Because, I mean, mm. how could you not? Like, it's the same designer. It's got a very similar feel, same kind of component-looking type of stuff. Um, and if you didn't know, this is the game where the term meeple comes from. Yes. Uh, not because the designer came up with it, but there was a lady who was playing Carcassonne and said, hey, uh, I've got my people, my meeple, meeples over here. And then it just caught on. Yeah. And she's credited with it. And then Carcassonne adapted it. And now it's part of every printing, you know, yeah. as in gaming culture in general. And now it's gaming yeah. culture as far as board games go. And that's <laughs> why, you know, you see Meeple Mentors is a yep. thing. Right, right, um, right. Now it's not only that design, <laughs> that wooden shape of a person, it's also uh all wooden pieces that are yours in a game that is played on a table as, as a meeple. Um, so it's a it's a great game to play. It's a very easy one to teach. Um, Gameplay-wise, you just draw a tile and you place it. And then you choose whether or not you want to place one of your meeples there. Um, and then if you can complete whatever it's standing on by the end of the game or whatever, you pick it back up and score points. I mean, it's that, that's the rules. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't played it, uh, I highly recommend you do. There's a lot of expansions to this as well, and each one is great. Um, but I think if you just even start with the basic, uh, and then you can add on from there. Um, if you're looking for my recommendation for your first Carcassonne expansion, I would go with the River, um, and then you, and I mean anything else after yeah. that. Yeah, my my fi th this isn't on my list, but only because I like the uh, version of this game so much better than the original, and that's Carcassonne Amazonas. Uh huh. And it has a river in it too, interestingly, yeah. um, yeah. and has a little bit of race element. So I, I like I like the tile building with a little bit of extra. Yeah. Um, but uh, but vanilla Carcassonne sure. is one that you can introduce to anybody. Mm -hmm. So yeah, awesome pick. Okay, uh, so my number two um, is a game by uh, Rudiger Dorn uh, and came out in 1997 called For Sale. So breaking with the Reiner and Kenizia uh, theme. <laughs> you surprise um, me now. <laughs> although it is an auction game. <laughs> well, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, For Sale is a, a really cool game because it's it's a game that has uh, two completely distinct phases to the game. Um, phase one. Phase, phase one and phase two, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty distinct. <laughs> Isn't it distinct? <laughs> Uh, not in just the naming. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Go on. So phase one, um, you all have a certain amount of money that you start the game with. And you're bidding on properties. 
So you're bidding and the properties um, in the deck of cards, they go from value one to value 30. So like value one property is like a card with a picture of like a cardboard box in an alley. You're right. Like a, like a value two is like an outhouse or something. And then all the way up to like, you know, values in the twenties are like mansions. And then like value thirties, like international space station. Whoa. Right. So, so you're, you're bidding and it's just traditional bidding. You're bidding and you keep going around till somebody passes. Um, but, uh, the, for everybody that passes, they actually get half their money back that they mm. bid and the other half goes to the bank. Whereas the winner, all their money goes to the bank. Makes um, sense. so once you've, everybody's bid and everybody has a hand of cards, um, cause one of the other kind of neat things that I'm, uh, just remembered about the game is as soon as you pass, you then also take the very lowest value property as well. Mm-hmm. So you could get a property for free in this game too, if you pass. Um, but the second phase of the game now is at, now you have your hand of all your property cards. Then all these checks come out and the checks range from like zero to like $15,000. And then there's this simultaneous play where everybody picks one card reveal them at the same time, and whoever has the highest value property gets the highest amount of check for the property. Mm-hmm. So you do that in phase two, and then at the end of the game, whoever has the most money wins. Um, so another one that's super easy to teach um, new players, this is one of my go-to games for brand new players. Um, it's simple to teach, it's easy to play, it's a lot of fun, and still in print. Um, they even have a smaller travel version. Um, that's my number two, for sale. Cool, good pick, good pick. Number one. So before we go on to our number one picks, I want to take a brief moment to let you know that our uh, Meeple Mentor YouTube channel and the podcast Mentor Minutes are all associated with the Gateway Network, which started from the Gamecasters podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, the network is a a group of content creators for board gaming content. And it it spans YouTubers, it spans Instagrammers, artists. Um, There's even... Uh, I featured Meeple People, which was a nice yep. like uh, comedy series that's done on YouTube. So you can go watch that right now. That's great. Um, there's podcasters as well. So we're part of that network. And we wanted to shout out uh, that you check that out uh, in the description. You can find a link and find more content creators uh, that are up and coming or small, but are are rising fast. So yeah, definitely check them out. I do want to mention that. And uh, so thanks for our uh, our friends over at the network for being part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's cool to be part of a, a growing network like that, that yeah. has so much talent in it. So totally. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, Jay, let's move on. What's your number one pick? Okay. Everybody wants to know. Okay. It's, it's not a Reiner Knizia game. Okay. Is it's it, not an auction game. Is it a murder theme? It's not murder themed. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I think the best area control game ever made. Wow. At, heard it here first at five players okay. <laughs> at exactly five players there's a qualification yeah and it's called el grande okay. uh it came out in 1995 and um it's it's t- typical i mean it spawned a lot of area control games that you see now so it's it's nothing you hadn't seen before if you play it um except for for one twist um you're uh at the beginning you're bidding for cards um and the cards give you the abilities to uh put your caballeros 
mm-hmm. uh, in sp- uh, specific regions of Spain, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're getting points based on the specific regions and how much they're worth, etc. Um, but there's also this uh, Castillo, which is this cardboard tower mm-hmm. um, that's also in the middle of the board. Um, and you can put your little your, your meeples, you know, your little caviars in that tower as well. Because at the end of the round, when you're giving out points, the last thing you do is you reveal all the, the meeples in the tower. And then whoever has the majority can then assign some of those meeples like to other places on the board to, to you know, to win uh, majorities or move them around and that kind of thing. Hmm. Um, there's also, I want to say it's a governor. I'm, I forget the term, but there's a big like pawn uh, that's also the um, robber. It's like a robber almost, but um, you, it gets moved around, and you can't like um, you you can't build or, or take over areas that like where the governor controls and and or move uh, meeples in and out of it. So there's some twists there, um, but just a really satisfying um, area control game um, that um, it, it seems like it never gets old. It also has some uh, great expansions too to add some flavor to the game, um, but it does not play well with lower player counts. That's mm. the big criticism. But if you have um, four or especially five players, this is like a go-to game for five players. Um, mm. And that's my number one, El Grande. Nice. The big. The big, yes. <laughs> if, if you don't speak <laughs> Spanish. That's right. Very cool. I've not played that one, but... Uh, ah. Yeah, I mean, we you have a copy? Have, I do. Sweet. I've got the big box, so it's got all the expansions and stuff in it. The big. The big, the big box. The big box. <laughs> right? <laughs> all right, so my number one pick, which also made my top 10 underrated games list from 1994, and I have played every release of this game. I actually have two of them on my shelf. Robo Rally. Ah, right. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's it can play up to eight people and six mm. if you're using the new version. Um, now, if you haven't played it, it's a programming game where you've got cards every turn that you can lay down face down on one of these five phases. And then everybody simultaneously goes one at a time through each phase, flipping their card and simultaneously moving their robot on the flat the factory floor. Um, they have to they have to avoid other players' robots and avoid the the walls and the factory obstacles. There's mm-hmm. gears. There's um, conveyor belts. Conveyor belts. There's lasers. All kinds yeah. of things that are gonna mess up where you are or how much damage you're taking. So it's not necessarily a battle, but you can just try to kill them because if you die three times, you're done. Right. Including if you fall off a ledge or roll right off the board. <laughs> um, it gets crazy the more players there are in the game because then you have less impact on where you're actually going because now it matters who is coming at you and you know what their um, uh, influence level is. And it's essentially a race, and it's totally customizable. Of course, there's maps that come that recommend you know placing placing the checkpoints at certain places, mm-hmm. but you can use any or all of you know the boards uh, and make your own map and put the checkpoint pieces wherever you really want and make the game as short or as long as you want based yeah. on those checkpoints <clears throat> and where you put them. So Robo Rally has all these different additions, which all have their pluses and minuses, which I'm not going to get into, but I highly recommend you pick it up if you get a chance because it's just raucous, chaotic fun. Yeah. And it's also designed by Richard Garfield of Magic the Gathering, which hey, is a plus. And number two from the list. So uh, that makes our top tens. And um, 
I yeah. Think, yeah, I mean, anything Good else list. you wanted to add? No, just play more around your Kiditsi games, I think is the, the main. <laughs> Stick <laughs> around because we're going to be continuing this with one at least one more episode of our top 10 over 10. Yes. So games that came out in the 2000s. Yeah. So that's going to be a tougher list for us to make because of all the great games that came out in that decade. I know. So stick around, make sure you subscribe on YouTube or uh, follow us on all the Spotify's and like Apple podcasts or whatever. I've been Jared. I've been Jay. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Catch you later.